Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. It's time, everybody. And I know Bob and Elvie are going to be back in just a minute, so they'll be here to join us. Let me get my microphone on so everybody at home can hear us. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to our Bible study, and we're glad that you're able to be with us this morning. Uh, I think we're going to have an overhead right later this morning. <laughs> All right. We're going to be looking at Pontus Pilate. I've never had just a study on him before. Uh, of course, this is coming from uh, our home church in, in uh, Bryan, Texas. And uh, we will... Uh, be looking at him today. I didn't take time to look up. I don't get it until Sunday. And sometimes not until Sunday afternoon. What the next week's lesson is going to be about. So I, I'm as much up in the air about it as you are right now. But uh, um, while I'm talking about that, Michael is going to be teaching my class on the specifics. On the sixth, that's good. And uh, uh, Frank is going to be bringing the message that Sunday, so you've got to be praying for him. <laughs> Maybe I should say you've got to be praying for the congregation. <laughs> but anyway, now some good things coming. Uh, let me tell you why uh, Michael is going to be teaching the uh, Bible study, and uh, Frank is going to be delivering the message. Uh, John and Celeste. Dr. John, Dr. Celeste, are going to be moving. They're moving into their new home. And uh, so uh, he's not going to have time, he said, to prepare for uh, the services that Sunday. And uh, so uh, we've got somebody to fill in for it. And uh, we're uh, looking forward to him being the one in charge, the pastor. Uh, did y'all talk about the sign over the door this morning? Okay. So you know that that's going to be changed. The uh, lettering, uh, pastor's name, all of that sort of thing is going to be changed. And um, <clears throat> should be changed this week if he gets around to it. He thinks he will. So uh, he, uh, he said he uh, hope to see me today. Maybe, I don't know, I didn't ask him. Maybe that means he's going to come in for our worship service. In the past, when um, he was doing some work for us, he had told me he was going to come to our services. But he never did get here. They go to church somewhere else, and I'm not sure just where. But anyway, uh, he said that uh, he would uh, probably take that sign off uh, the first of the week, make sure everything is okay behind it, 
And we think it is. We think everything's going to be all right because it hasn't been up there all that long. How long has it been since COVID started? Uh, two and a half years. Two and a half years. So I don't think it's deteriorated by behind it in that length of time. We won't know until he takes it down. But anyway. All right. Pontius Pilate. Our uh, scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 and 2. Who would volunteer to read those two verses for us right now? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Adele. When daybreak came, all the chief priests and the elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. After tying him up, they led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. All right. Verse 2 of chapter 27 in Matthew is the first time we hear about this guy called who is he? We're going to be using some uh, extra biblical material today to find out who this individual is. We're going to be looking at <clears throat> what happened in the scriptures as well. But uh, aren't you a little bit curious about who this guy is? Uh, what's his background? Where does he come from? And what, <clears throat> what is he doing in Jerusalem? This is where he is. Well, we know from the reading of the scriptures, he is the governor. Now, we know about governors today. We know that they um, are administrators, right? They take care of some kind of business. <clears throat> to tell you the truth, I'm not sure what governors do today. Are you? <laughs> but I, I know they're politicians. I know that they uh, hold office. And uh, some of them are good and some of them are bad. Am I right? And uh, so uh, this individual had some tasks. He had some responsibilities. His main job was to collect taxes. That was what Rome was interested in. Money, money, money. And so collecting taxes was his number one job as far as Rome was concerned. Now he was governor at the appointment of Rome by the appointment of Caesar. He was the chief administrator of the province of the area where they lived. And he was responsible for judicial matters as well. He actually judged people. And that's what we see him in uh, the scripture readings for today as he was judging one particular individual that we're familiar with. We'll talk about that in just a moment. He commanded troops. He had troops at his disposal. In fact, uh, we find that he had 1,800 troops, more or less under his control all the time. That's not a great amount. That's not a great number of troops <clears throat> as we think about the Roman Empire. But uh, that was his responsibility. 
And by the way, these individuals were not Romans. From my study, I found out that they were Near Eastern auxiliaries. They came from other countries and enlisted in the Roman army. Rome had a lot of different people like that that were not Romans, but they took the responsibility of a soldier in the army because it paid good. And so uh, they recruited far and wide. And uh, these individuals had come from the east, the Near East, uh, to be a part of Pilate's army. All right, let's look for just a moment at his background. Sources for this information came from Jewish and Roman historians and archaeologists. We find archaeology tells us a little bit about this individual. Inscriptions in Caesarea and a ring that was found at Herodium. That was a fortified place that uh, Herod the Great had built. And there was a ring found there by archaeologists that tell us about Caesar. I'm sorry, about, uh, not Caesar, but uh, about Pilate. So uh, he was uh, a member of the upper middle class from central Italy. He was very influential in Rome and uh, didn't mind standing up against people that he didn't care for, including the Caesar. His family had fought against Romans for centuries. And even Julius Caesar himself was an enemy of his family. And you wonder, how did he get to be a governor? You know? But he was well respected. People really liked him and his family. And uh, he had held a military position. In fact, he held that position at the time of uh, the writing of these scriptures. His title was prefect. This position held administrative powers. He had responsibility for certain things in Jerusalem and Judea where this particular uh, territory governed. Let us notice for just a moment the assignment of Pilate as a prefect. He was appointed to this office and this particular area of the world was notorious for religious and political unrest. The Jews lived there. And some of them were very against Rome. And different people at different times would rise up against the uh, administration, the people in power, and try to take over. It was useless because if they were ever able to defeat the prefect or the governor, Rome would just send other people and put them down. But uh, 
we know over time that many individuals did rise up and many individuals did try to throw off the Roman yoke. And uh, so, as we think about the unrest in that area, Rome would have considered uh, very seriously about who they were going to put in that position. He would have been someone that they considered suitable and up for the task, able to uh, be the administrator that would put down riots and, and keep peace. And uh, the second that most uh, thing that Rome was looking at and, and Rome wanted, first of all money, but peace. And so <clears throat> he had to meet up to their expectations in order for him to be appointed to this particular task. We're going to see that he had family ties as well in just a moment that uh, brought him to prominence in Rome. But Pilate had faced multiple problems during his administration. There were revolts because of taxes. They considered them too high. They considered them exorbitant. And uh, Herod the Great lived there. And had lived there. And his surviving family members were a thorn in his side as well. They had access to the emperor. Anything that happened they didn't like, they would quickly run to the emperor and say, oh, Papazzi, you need to remove this guy. You need to put one of us in charge, you know. So he had that to contend with. The high priest and the Sanhedrin kept interfering, kept hollering on his toes. Thousands of murderous, fanatical zealots saw holy war as the only answer to any problem. Not just the pilots, but anything that came up. They thought they needed to have a holy war to be able to set things right. And so these individuals were there as well. Let us notice the incidents that he had with the, uh, with the uh, Jews. The medallions. When we read John 19, verse 12, you don't have that up there, do you? No. It says, From that moment, Pilate made every effort to release him but the Jews shouted, if you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. And we're going to talk about that just in just a moment. And then in Mark 15, verse 10, it says, For he, meaning Pilate, knew that it was because of envy that the chief, chief priest had handed him, Jesus, over. Now, why did Pilate cave in to the Jewish demands to crucify Jesus? When he could find nothing wrong with him. 
He stated that publicly. Why did he allow this? Well, we find that the Jews blackmailed Pilate. On this day, Pilate's past threatened him with being recalled to Rome. He had made three mistakes already. And he knew that if he made a fourth mistake, that he was out. He was going to be recalled. And he would lose his job as governor. And remember during the trial of Jesus, even his wife pleaded that he should have nothing to do with Jesus. But even that didn't stop him from handing him over to the Jews or for him to take the responsibility of crucifying him. He tried to hand him over to the Jews. He said, you crucify him. But they didn't have the power of life and death. They didn't have executional powers at this time. Now, in the past they had, of course, when they were their own nation, but not at this time. Now, his first mistake, let's look at uh, what had happened to cause him to uh, be in a position where the Jews could blackmail him. Now, as emperor, he marched into Jerusalem. And the soldiers had their standards, a medallion. Previous governors had understood that the Jews didn't want an image of a ruler before them. God was their king, right? That's what they said. They didn't always fall through with that, but that's what they said. But Pilate refused to remove this bust of the, the emperor. When Pilate returned from Caesarea, the Jews followed him for five days. Finally, he ordered them to the amphitheater. If they didn't stop hounding him, he would kill them, he threatened. The Jews instantly bared their necks and told the soldiers to kill them. All of them. A thousand people in this amphitheater. Kill us. Well, Pilate was unable to, with a clear conscience, kill so many people at one time. Again, this would have probably brought Rome down on his shoulders. And so he removed the bust from the standards and didn't have it again in the future. Now, the second problem involved the building of a much-needed aqueduct. Now, what does an aqueduct do? It supplies water to the region, doesn't it? That's, Rome was famous for building their aqueducts. But, Pilate didn't have the money. He couldn't pay for the aqueduct. Remember, he's the administrator. He's responsible for finances. And he was the one responsible for paying for this aqueduct. So he raided the temple treasury. When the Jews protested, 
he dressed his soldiers in plain clothes and armed them with concealed weapons. And when he gave the signal, they attacked the mob of Jews, killing many of them. Of course, that didn't make Pilate very popular either. And then the third situation was a case of Pilate not learning his lessons from these other two times. And he put up shields in the palace of Tiberius with his name on the shields. The shields were devoted to honor Tiberius. The emperor was regarded as a god, remember? All the Caesars, all the rulers of Rome were to be bowed down to and considered gods. And once again, the people were outraged, and this time they reported the matter to Rome. These other two times they didn't. Pilate was ordered by Rome to remove the shields. Rome was the one responsible that time for uh, getting down the thing that bothered the Jews. So as we come to Jesus' trial before Pilate, he wanted to do the right thing, and he wanted to free Jesus. But he couldn't upset the Jews one more time without losing his job. Ironically, two of his misdeeds were giving tribute to a king in Jerusalem. Giving tribute to him. You understand? And so the Jews believed that this dishonored God, they only obeyed God, they told Pilate. And yet they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Pilate said to them in John 19, 15, should I crucify your king? And the people said, we have no king but Caesar. That's what the chief priest answered. Wow, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? Well, anyway, that was the situation. All right, let's look at Jesus and Pilate. Now, this happened in April, on April the 3rd, 33 AD. April the 3rd, 33 AD. The high priest and a large crowd bring a man on charges of being a revolutionary before Pilate. They said, this man is proclaiming himself to be king. And they rallied the people to the movement against Jesus. And <clears throat> the people were saying to Pilate, this man is advocating that people don't pay taxes. Now, is that true? Do you remember when they tried to accuse Jesus of saying that they shouldn't pay taxes? And Jesus called for a coin. you remember? And he said, whose inscription is on this coin? They said, Caesar's. And he said, render to Caesar such as is Caesar's. And to God... 
such as what belongs to God. So, the trial proceeded. Pilate was realizing more and more as this trial went on that he wanted nothing to do with this whole situation. Remember his wife had told him don't have anything to do with this uh, righteous man? He offered to re release a murderer. See what he did. He picked out the very worst that he could that he had incarcerated and was ready to stand, uh, ready to go to uh, the cross to be executed. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll trade this man for Jesus. Thinking that they would take him up on the offer and not release the rats, the very worst criminal that he could have in custody at that time. And the people said, give us the rats. And Pilate said, what, what am I going to do with Jesus? He still didn't want to crucify him. You see, the idea was that if uh, Jesus is released, then, I'm, I'm sorry, if uh, Barabbas is released, then Jesus would take his place on the cross. But he didn't want to crucify him. And he said, then what shall I do with Jesus? And that's when the people said, crucify him. Crucify him. He's in a predicament. He has Jesus scourged, tortured, and brutally beaten to the point that the Bible says you wouldn't recognize him as a man. I mean, they really did a number of them. Now, you've seen people in the movies uh, done that way by mobs or uh, the people that are against them. And he presents him then to the high priest, thinking that they would have sympathy on him, seeing that he'd gone through all of this torture and this torment. They could tell that he had really been beaten up. But the high priest Didn't accept that. And Pilate said, go ahead and kill him yourself. Remember, they don't have the death penalty in their ability. Here we see something about Pilate. As he really, really, really didn't want to kill Jesus. But it's perfectly okay for the Jews to do it. You see what he's saying? He just didn't want to be responsible for it. They told Pilate, you have to do it. Now someone is going to kill Jesus. The question is, who will do it? He had to die for the sins of the people, remember? As we go back to the scriptures and understand what Jesus is doing, He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in order for Him to do that, He had to be crucified, or He had to die. But we know from the scriptures 
that it was saying he had to be crucified. Now God knows who to do it. He had even told them, Jesus said, for his people to take up their cross and follow him, alluding to how he was going to die. Jesus knew. He knew he was going to die on the cross. Didn't he? Now, if the Jews had done it, they would have probably beheaded him. Or run a spear through him. They would not have used the cross as an instrument of execution. But Pilate does regularly. Crosses line the highway going out of Jerusalem. Many people had died on the crosses in the past. Many people would die on a cross in the future from that. So that was his way of executing. Notice John 19, verse 12. Who, who wants to read that for us real quick? Isn't that up there? If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. What does it mean to be Caesar's friend? Have you ever thought about that? The title Caesar's friend was a technical phrase that described a special honor the emperor gave to individuals whom he favored. Now, Pilate wanted to be Caesar's friend. If Pilate does not find Jesus guilty, he cannot be Caesar's friend. And therefore, by implication, the Jews are saying, you're guilty of treason against Rome. Does Pilate want that? <laughs> not in his position and not at this time. With this, Pilate wants to show the world. He wants to show... Judea, he wants to show Jerusalem and the Jews in particular that he's not the one responsible for crucifying Jesus. And he asks for a basin filled with water and he washes his hands before the people, saying that he's not guilty of his blood. By the way, this is a Jewish custom. From Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. We're not going to take time to read that this morning. But these verses tell about an individual washing their hands before others as they found a dead body. And they're telling everybody they're not responsible for this death. So before he dies, Pilate is washing his hands before the people and saying, I'm not guilty of this man's death. Pilate knows that he is condemning an innocent person, doesn't he? But from Pilate's point of view, the facts are simple. A man was arrested by a legitimate group, the Sanhedrin. They had power and authority in Jerusalem with the Jews. Jesus' followers when he was arrested, were armed. Two of the individuals had swords. 
And we know one of those individuals using this sword as they came to arrest Jesus. Now remember, Peter had the idea that they were going to fight against their next king. That Jesus was ready to announce his kingship. Wasn't that what they thought? And so we were going to defend our king. And he cut off the ear of the nephew of the high priest. Blood was shed in the arrest of Jesus. Malchus was the individual who had his ear cut off. It doesn't matter that Jesus took the ear and reattached it. <laughs> Worked a miracle. Sent him away whole. You would think that that would be enough for them to just bow down before Jesus and say, we're not going to arrest you. But that didn't happen, did it? The men continued. And brought him to the high priest. And Pilate knew that this man's continued presence in Jerusalem, I'm talking about Jesus, during the Passover would likely lead to a revolt. I mean, the Jews were really upset. And he was there to keep the peace. Right? Pilate And perhaps by handing him over to the soldiers to be crucified, he was saving lives of both Jews and Romans, Roman soldiers. And the only cost was one life. You see this thinking? The life of a carpenter from a small town in the backwaters of Galilee. Not an important person. Who's going to miss him? Who's going to get upset at his death? Again, now, this is Pilate's thinking. He was really thinking about how this would all appear before the public and how it would appear before Caesar. He has the power of life and death. He can kill anybody he wants to. It doesn't matter whether they're guilty or not guilty. And more importantly, no report would be going to Caesar about a revolt on his watch. And we'll see in just a moment how important that was. You see, Pilate continued in his ways. And he doesn't always do everything the way Rome wanted him to do them, or Caesar wanted him to do them. And he's removed from office in a couple of years in order to go back to Rome because of the slaughter of innocent religious pilgrims on Mount Gerizim. What happened to Pilate after that is unknown. We don't have any historical records of him past that day. But 
wherever he went. All right, back to Pilate. He gave the order for Jesus to be crucified. But you know what? Pilate wasn't in charge. He thought he was. God was. And Jesus voluntarily went to the cross. He didn't have to. He could have called down angels from heaven. Isn't that what the Bible tells us? And these could have defended him and kept him from going to the cross. But you see, this was all a part of God's plan. We don't understand all of it. He could have easily walked away and not been crucified. And he could have escaped. Pilate is an example of a political coward who knows that injustice is being committed and that evil is being done, but he doesn't have the moral courage to step in and do the right thing or prevent evil from happening. Pilate actually played a part in God's plan to save the world. Unbeknowing to him. And God used Pilate's cold, ruthless, and yet cowardly approach to bring the way of salvation and Jesus dying on that cross for our sins. Pilate was one of the most unfortunate people in all of history. Three times, Pilate had spent time alone with Jesus. As you studied the scenario, what the Bible says about it, he had private conversations with him, asking him about his ministry and his kingdom. And yet, in the end, he ignored the words of the Son of God, and all he could do was wash his hands before the people. Father, thank you today for reading your word and the things that we have in the scriptures and in history that tell us about this man named Pilate. We thank you that Jesus did go to the cross, that he did bear our sins, and therefore, people have the opportunity for eternal life by trusting in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Thank you for Jesus, your Son. Thank you for the salvation that's available to all and the salvation that you've given to each one of us who know you as our Savior. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you being here this morning. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.